So John approached us and said, look, it would be interesting managing um, the ventilators once it got into the airports. And uh, we were delighted to have the opportunity because at the time, because of the COVID virus, at the time we um, we had capacity both you know, in, in our facilities and also with our people. So it was a great opportunity for us. So like, we were delighted with it. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome back to the Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where you will hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs. I'm Sonia Lennon. I'm delighted to be your host, broadcasting remotely from my own home at this time. This is the first episode of our third season, and I'm delighted to be speaking with Sean Sheehan, CEO of WiseTech, now a major global player in IT asset repurposing. He recently repurposed his own production lines to create much needed ventilators. It is a great story. If you haven't already done so, please do hit subscribe to get another great story into your feed every two weeks. Sean Sheehan from WiseTech, thank you so much for joining me on Architects of Business. This is the first of our new series and uh, it's no accident that you're here um, in the shadow of the COVID challenge. Um, tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah, well, we're based in Cork and um, about 12 years ago, I used to work for a multinational and um, I used to manage their take-back programs as regards leasing or coming off lease. And it was classed as a nuisance at the time because they did a lot of growth in their business. So I saw that as being an opportunity. So I left instead of WiseTech and um, went back with services. So I managed that part of our process. And uh, we kind of moved on. So this is all the, the sort of the runoff uh, equipment uh, that nobody wanted anymore. It was it was dead in everybody right, else's yeah, it was, it was trading. It was uh, coming off lease. Uh, you know, it was, and it was relatively new. It was in some cases only two or three years old. You know, so it was, it was still good equipment. But um, I saw that as being an opportunity for repurposing it and put it back into uh, the marketplace is one reason. And um, also it can be used as upgrades. It can be used as spares. You know, and you can break it down into components. And uh, there's a market out there for components. And also, like, you, you can get smelted down into precious metals and it goes back into the supply chain again. So it made an awful lot of sense at the time. To, not, uh, to, to you, <laughs> not to, to everybody, but to you. And that's, that's, I suppose, what is key. And I suppose with WiseTech now, that idea of, of finding value in, in waste is at the core of everything that you do. Yeah, you can call it waste. Like we, we don't call it waste anymore. We, we see it more as opportunity. So the, the, the world has changed. It's, it's, like, it's like a car. So people want to buy new cars, but there's also a big market out there for second, second-hand cars. You know, so and that's the market that we're working is, is, is a second-hand area where we can we can put them back into the supply chain. Not everybody can afford the latest and greatest. You know, so there's a huge market out there for people that, that are quite happy to get something that's a couple of years old. And even something that's five generations old, you have developing countries that are quite happy and, you know, and that's all they can afford. And, you know, they need that for I'm, their own And I'm going to come to that be, because um, you... Uh, one of the things that I find fascinating about your story is is the the breadth of your ambition, uh, the breadth of the scope of the company. But I'd like to go back a few steps first and um, have a little chat about little Sean when he was growing up. What what was it? What was the environment? What was the inspiration that allowed you to see opportunity in a way that other people can't? Because that's that's gold. 
Well, I suppose I came from a farm, so from a very early age, back then, like a lot of it was very manual labour. So we were, we were taught to work hard at that stage. And I think we were, we were kind of a, a very tight-knit community as well. So we're down in Milford and had a very strong GA down there. So from a very young age, you were introduced to teams and you learned how to lose, how to win, you know, and, and that, that's great education and a good foundation for anybody. You know, so like... Um, what you and funny through? that that comes through. It's it's no surprise that that comes through very strongly in a lot of the alumni of the Entrepreneur of the Year program with EY. That 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 team sports piece is is vital to as a life lesson, if you like. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Like in for certainly for kids growing up nowadays, it's it's uh, it's invaluable the experience you get there. So because you win together as a team, you lose as a team. You know, you you need to strategize as a team. You know, as Roy Keane says, you know. Fair to plan, plan to fail, you know. So it, it makes an awful lot of sense, and it's it's very similar to business. And did you see your farming family as as entrepreneurial? Oh, absolutely. I think like um, the six of us there, there's five of us uh, kind of run our own business. You know, like between farming and between different aspects of, of business out there, like we all have to work for ourselves. And it's kind of the ethos in farming of. Uh, if if you don't do it, it won't be done. Oh, absolutely! We had to do it. You know, there's, you know, it, it, and it's all seasonal. Like you know, sort of different jobs, different. You know, it wasn't the same job the whole time. So in, in the summertime, you were out there with the hay and the straw and all that. While the winter time, was more inside in the sheds and that kind of stuff. So it was different, but um, it was good. It was good for the health as well. You know. And before you you found yourself working for a multinational, what was the journey to get to that point? What happened when you finished school? Uh, well, um, I worked for another multinational before that. I was that travel Wang in Limerick, so I worked with them for a good few years. And uh, then I went to um, to um, Cork and I worked with EMC there for a good few years as well, for 16 years. And then I went out on my own. But I spent three did and you, a half years in Australia s- as well. Oh, fantastic. And did you skip college? No, I was, I was uh, due to do a technician course, actually, but... Um, and around the week that I was supposed to start the course, I actually had an accident in a motorbike. I actually hit a okay. cow, I hit a cow, if you don't mind. So that put me out of action for six months. So I never really caught up in the course afterwards. I'm so not, I'm not even going to ask how the cow fared. <laughs> no, the, the cow came out the best. Okay. Okay. Good news. Put it that way. Yeah. And how, how do you quantify your um, impact then, your positive impact on the environment? Because that must be a big part of what you do. Well, everybody's talking about the circular economy and that's, that's huge. Like we're going to start running out of raw material. You can't keep extracting ore from the earth so, because, first of all, it's going to run out and now it's getting very expensive as well. And like you, you have ready-made you know, uh, material out there with your e-waste, you know, which is perfect for this model. And it's far cheaper to actually mine e-waste and get it back into uh, precious metal than it is actually ore. And it's a lot better for the CO2 and all that as well because you use a lot less. You know, so it makes total sense. So, like, there's a lot of talk around this, and it's it's it's, it's starting to get more traction, and people in countries are actually starting to use, see this now, and they're they're constantly looking at what, how to manage their e-waste streams and make sure it gets properly used. Like, there's a stat Fantastic. out there that twenty percent of e-waste is is refined and recycled correctly. So that that's you have eighty percent opportunity out there. You know, and, that, and that's what we're looking at. Love that. Love that. So go back to, to Thailand, 2012. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, 2012. So so that was a big marker. Um, how did that come about? 
Now, and again, it was, it was one of our customers approached us and said, look, any chance you could, you could look at um, Asia market that we, we need a presence out there because we don't want to be hauling the stuff all the way back because it's very expensive. Get on. So we want to get it uh, triaged out there, only bring back the good stuff and the stuff that needs to go for uh, smelting, which a lot of this is done in Asia anyway, is just keep that within region. So um, we started looking out there and we looked at different areas. So we looked at Hong Kong and we looked at um, China itself and we looked at different areas. But And then um, one of our partners said, we should look at Thailand because like, um, it's a very friendly to do business out there. We were able to locate in um, a free zone, which is that you can bring, bring a product in and you can ship it out without paying duties, which is a long shebang. And it's also the biggest port in Thailand. So it made total sense in a region like that. So from the time we got the get-go, it took us 15 weeks for our truck, first truck to roll into Thailand, which is incredible for Asia because at that time it took, I think it was around six months alone to get your name registered in China. That's also extraordinary. Like, so it worked very well for us, but... We work, we work a lot with Enterprise Ireland and um, they were very helpful because they gave us the name of companies that were already set up in Thailand. So we were able to, able to learn from their mistakes and uh, that was a big help to us. So we were able to use their uh, legal folks and their um, accountants that they had set up already. So that was a big help because everything was in Thai. So we need to understand that. And there's a lot of, of office and documentation to be done. So they were able to do all that on our behalf. So it, it worked very smooth for us. A lot smoother than we expected. Excellent. We've been but that's not the only, yeah, that's not the only um, uh, international centre that you have. You are, you are truly a global company. Tell us a little bit about your other, your other hubs. Yeah, so we started looking at um, the, the US um, market and um, the US was a bit be, behind Europe, but they were starting to get ready for it. Again, it was the same situation. Legislation was coming in in our favour. People were beginning to understand the circular economy and the need for this. Uh, companies were getting worried about their branding, uh, where it was finishing up. Was it finishing up in China, where you have the kids and you know with their frying pans and then they're trying to get the, the laid out of equipment or the gold? And uh, they could see that okay, that we need to be careful of this. There was a, soup, a few programs down there that that showed this type of activity was going on. So companies are starting to get nervous, but also that they you know, there's a financial gain here for companies that they didn't realize was there as well. And um, the fact that you can trace their product now from the time it leaves their, their facility is a big help and a, a big, you know, so like we saw that opportunity. So like we have five facilities in the States now because the States are so vast. There's no such thing as a small job in the States. You know, everything is, is it's a big job. So, um, so the five facilities are strategically placed that we can cover the landmass of the US and it, uh, it made a Fantastic. lot of sense for us. Sean, it's extraordinary. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, future trends, the future of wise tech, the culture of wise tech. And uh, I hope that somewhere on your body you have the word efficiency tattooed because uh, that's what you definitely are. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. So, Sean, you find yourself in a global company of your own making. Um, and if anybody can say one thing about you, it's that you have a nose for opportunity. So I suppose it's no mistake and no accident that in the face of COVID, uh, you found a huge opportunity. Yes, uh, yeah, it just, just happened to, to fall our way. Like, um, there's two brothers out there, two quirks. You have Robert and uh, Robert Quirk of Roca Media and John Quirk of SA Partners. 
And um, they had connections in, in, in China and they were able to source ventilators. Now, a couple of weeks previously, John had actually visited our facility as part of a lean manufacturing program. And he kind of liked what he saw. So John approached us and said, look, we would be interested in managing um, the ventilators once it got into the airports. And uh, we were delighted to have the opportunity because at the time, because of the COVID virus, at the time we, um, we had capacity both you know, in, in our facilities and also with our people. So it was a great opportunity for us. So like we were delighted with it. And um, we kind of moved on from there. We got to, to learn the, the process. And um, so we project managed the whole um, project from the time we came into the airport as regards the, the shipping of the equipment down to our facility. You know, we had um, a company called Oxygen Care that, were, that set up in our facility as well. And also the HSC was set up in our facility as part of the uh, calibration and testing of the equipment. So... Uh, what what does that look like for a business for a production facility um when when you completely flip you repurpose uh the use of of your manufacturing um i suppose from a business point of view and from from a human point of view your people had to literally jump 180 yeah we we spoke to the team at the time and uh, everybody was delighted to get the opportunity and and um the response was actually fantastic i was even surprised myself but everybody saw it as being very valuable and, and a need at the time. So we had no problem getting volunteers. And um, we at one part of the process, we actually had to design a transport mode for um, the, the ventilators. Um, so we, we, we actually got some pallets and um, we developed a frame around them. And two of the guys that were actually developing the frames were, were um, senior managers. They were carpenters one time. So they, 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 they brought in their, their saws and started walking through this and, and, and uh, building frames around the pallet, which was incredible. But even the, the, the people that were actually building the unit and, and reassembling it, they were all happy, they were all enthusiastic. There was a great uh, buzz in the floor when this was going on and uh, their great interaction with the oxygen care guys and the HSE at the time. Um, we used to have lunch together and um, you know, we'd be spending with meetings together and so there was a great buzz there and... and uh, so they had a great process going between the two of them as regards, you know, the, the throughput time and everything else and a great understanding. So it was, um, it was a fantastic experience and all the lads all spoke very highly of it afterwards and they were thrilled to be able to contribute. Fantastic. You probably couldn't pay any amount of money for a team building exercise as, as uh, effective as that. Oh, no, no, not from our side anyway. It was, it was, it was great to see the, everybody out there. Everybody was like you'd read. Our engineers were out there. The, the, the operators were there, all working together. So you know, it, was, it was fantastic to see it. And as I said, you know, the enthusiasm was was brilliant. I suppose um, to to go uh, firstly to 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 launch a business in the recession and to grow at that extraordinary rate um, into a team of four hundred and fifty people. What I suppose what are um, the characteristics of the team, and how do you? Um, as a leader, uh, create the right culture? Uh, well, it, it's, it's important to have good people around you. you know, and we, we, I was very lucky that I got very good people at the very start. And uh, again, like Enterprise Ireland was a big help, both from a mentoring point of view, but also like that they had uh, very good grants for key men. So I was able to go out there and get um, a higher calibre of person than I would have been able to afford at the time. And they pay half the wage for a year. So that was a big help as well, you know, so... I was able to go out there and get some very good people and, and they're still with me to, as, as we speak today. So, so See, that was a big I think help. it's funny that you use the word luck. I'm, I'm personally fascinated by the concept of luck and I, I, I think there's more to it than that. Um, 
I think you play a huge part in your own luck. How you say you found good people, you were lucky enough to find good people. Some of that was your sense of who the right people are. How do you even begin to approach that process? Um, because it's true that, you know, in business, getting the right people around you is, is everything. Um, what's, what is your philosophy for, for making sure that those people are right for you and for WiseTech? Well, a lot of it is gut feel, you know, that you're, you're comfortable with a person. And, you know, I suppose if, if you want to break it down, like, would I go for a pint with this person? You know, that, that's a lot of it, you know. So, like, I think you, you, you kind of get good at, good at it after a while. You, you know what your culture is. You know if they're, they're of faith. And so we, we encourage as much as we can into integrating, talking to people. And, um, like, the lean manufacturer is a big help because you work in teams and people work in teams. So, and a lot of the senior managers we have now are people that actually come in as operators and they've worked their way up through the... Um, through our systems and, and they're now senior managers and they're they're very good and they're, they're big help to the organization you know, so I see that talking to you help. yeah and talking to you before the break I, I mentioned the word efficiency um I know you have a very particular um affinity to hard data the facts um that gut is one thing but the facts are another tell me a little bit about that yes we will we, we'll be very data driven like show me the data because everybody has an opinion whether it's the right one or not, you don't know, but data doesn't lie. You know, if you, if you have data, it, it helps you make a decision. Sometimes you have to make a decision you know, quickly from the gut and all that, but if you have data, it just makes it a lot easier and a lot more reliable. You know, so we would run data, we'd run uh, KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Like we run Thailand Fitness, we, we run Thailand through KPIs, so we actually know what's happening there on a daily basis. We don't have any expats out there. So we trust them to get on with their job and we can see through the KPIs what's actually happening over there. So they, it, it, it makes sense and it, and it works. You, know, you, can see, you can see things before they really happen if you have the correct data. It's a bit like analytics. So you can determine what's going to happen in a couple of months' time based on the data that you do have. So I would be an advocate of, of, of data business. And it's 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 a really interesting point because in the changing world that we're in right now, um, when people are going to be working from home, and I'll I'll talk about that and your role in um setting people up to work from home in, in a minute, but um our ability to to uh manage efficient teams is really down to that data and what people are required to do and and what they are actually doing. What well, it, it is a course. You know, the more data you have and, you know, as I said, like even product productivity, capacity, you know, uh, what's selling, what isn't selling, all that kind of, it's all valuable information if you're doing five-year strategy plans or all like, it, it all feeds into that. So like it, it makes it more reliable. Um, you know, it makes it easier for us to make um, decisions going forward. Like we, we've, we've done acquisitions in, in the US and so we, we felt we were missing a part of our, our process which was the low end, the laptops and desktops. So we actually did an acquisition to close that. You know, so that, that kind of activity made a big difference to our organization. So like we can do everything now from, from iPads all the way to data centers through, um, through the acquisition, but also using the data that we have um, from our experience going back along. You know, so it makes total sense. And and the, the these new opportunities um, around working from home. What what does that mean for for WiseTech in in a sort of a revised working environment going forward? Well, there's a lot of a lot of the equipment that we get in is these laptops, you know. So um, there was a big demand for laptops because of people working from home, and again, people can't afford new laptops at the time. So, you know, a lot of companies 
had just desktops, so they were working with desktops, so they needed laptops. So we sort a lot of them into the um, the used market um, that's out there. So a lot of companies that that did decide to work from home actually bought a lot of equipment. We ran out of equipment very quickly, but I think it's, 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 it's and what's it's, the what's the harvesting process then? How, where do you find the raw materials? Well, it comes back from companies like a lot of companies would refresh every three years. So they did due to new equipment coming out, due to connectivity, due to less power in the new systems, more efficiency. It, you know, better to use the apps that they're they're using. So, so they, 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 as you know, the bigger companies, they refresh, they give it back to us. So we do the data sanitization and we put it back into the marketplace through e-commerce, and um, that's basically it. So, it's, so, it's, it's a so the harvesting, is what is. yeah, yeah, the harvesting is B two C. And the 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 resale is both B two C and B two B. Yes, you can. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's if there's markets there. If there's no markets there, then it goes down the refining route. But also the same with with um, with, with data centers. Like we take their equipment back. The you know, the, the bigger guys, the hyperscale, like they refresh every two to three years as well. But there's data centers out there that are tier four data centers are quite happy to take something that's, that's uh, four years old and just use it for either for redundancy or they use it for the, their own business because they don't need you know the connectivity or, or, or the uh, the power that the um, less power that the, the bigger guys would, would would use you know so again it makes and I suppose sense. domestically we're now looking at a serious bottleneck of devices in family homes where you know two or one parent might be working from home uh, and and kids are looking for devices to to follow their their work their schoolwork remotely um i mean i think it's you know only last night the government announced a 10 million fund um to support schools to to buy devices or to uh, uh borrow devices from the state to support that remote schoolwork is is there an opportunity for you in that as well but there is a course when, 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 when you know, it, its lifetime is up and, and they want to you know, refresh, then, then that's where we come in. So we, we, we'd love to be able to take it back and refresh it and either send it to the, um, the developing countries or send it down for refining. You know, so like we, we'd see that as being a, a big opportunity, certainly. Like, and we, see, like, we, we think we'd see a lot more of that, particularly on laptops coming back. You know, but even supplying them into the education system is that is that something you? Well, could it is a course if they're if they're happy to take something that's, that's two years old or even rent. Like we're, we're starting to rent now as well because we think there'd be bigger market there for that. So, like yeah. if, if companies want to rent or individuals want to rent off of us, that that's that's an area that we're starting to look at, and we think that because that's I, I know I know one um, principal was on the news last night saying that when when you carve up uh, the available allocation of funding, yes. you're looking at probably a hundred quid per child so that's certainly not going to buy a brand new box fresh yeah. laptop so um i think you know we we have to look at how how we can create an efficiency around that um but i i think you're you're so far from uh at the end of the wise tech journey i get the impression that uh you're only firing up on all cylinders now what does the future you mentioned five year strategies what what does the future look like do you think yeah well um where we see it is that um, Europe is fairly mature because they had we for a long time and you have GDPR now, you know, so that, that's a fairly mature market. But the, the states are just starting to get there. You know, so like um, the GDPR, I think, was just introduced recently in California. There's other states starting to look at it. So like 
what, what they had the the model in the states used to be kind of local small shops used to look after the equipment so that, that's they're kind of struggling at this stage because like larger companies are looking for a complete solution so we actually do the data sanitization we have mobile we've nine trucks in the states that actually drive into their facilities and they'll do all the data destruction on site we will barcode equipment on site. So we have records of it straight away that we've got the equipment. So companies are looking for more traceability. They're looking to make sure that their brands are protected. The information is not getting out there. And, but also that there's a financial gain for them that when we sell it back into um, the, the e-commerce market, that they get a percentage of the profits out of that. So it, it, it's starting to make total sense and they're starting to see that. But there's not too many big companies out there actually doing this. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about the competitive landscape. Um, It it looks like you're in completely uh, blue ocean with this. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of mid-sized companies there. There's no real big, there's some big reasonably-sized players out there. But um, it's a bit fragmented at the moment. And I said there's a new enough industry and um, it will consolidate in a couple of years. You know, there's no doubt about that. So like we want to make sure. And what will that look like? Well, I think you'll get a couple of big companies will we'll come forward and, and either through partnerships, amalgamations, or, or, or venture capitalists will come in and I think they'll buy up some of the, the uh, mid-sized companies and, and make one couple of big companies there that will provide the global services. So I think that will happen in a few years. And and are you um, an acquisition or are you top dog? No, at the moment, we're just concentrating on, on, on growing the business. You know, As I said, there's a lot of opportunity there. We will probably look at some more acquisitions. Uh, we think that's the the the, the, the route to market, um, and you can get companies reasonably cheap in in, in the US at the moment. So we'll certainly will be looking at that. Uh, we probably will look at some investors if if they're willing to to go the journey with us. But um, yeah, and that's that's really what we're looking at at the moment is is growth and being able to manage that growth. Uh, just speaking to you for the last while, as I have been. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to pin down. Does does your growth in the next five years look like more hubs, more footprint, or or is it in your head about uh, responding to trends and diversification? It's it's all of the above. You know, it's important that like we we spend a lot of money on on um, like we've our own software people that develop portals for us so we can manage it, take uh, the equipment. We can give people um, reports on the equipment, the gas, the amount of metals and plastics and all that kind of stuff that they're generating, and which is important nowadays for their, their, the Environmental Protection Authority looks looks for this kind of information. So we spend a lot of time on on portals managing the equipment. Um, we spend a lot of time looking at, at different um, areas, the different strategies of girls. We reckon now there's going to be a lot of desktops in the marketplace because everybody's bought laptops. So when they go back into work, there's going to be desktops there. So like we need to come up with a strategy of how we're going to manage all these desktops that are coming back. You know, so we're, we're constantly looking at that. So it's, 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 it's numerous things. So it's just, just the one thing. There's, there's, there's a lot happening in, in, in this area that uh, we're constantly looking at. We talk to the customers a lot, see what the customer, the voice of the customer. You know, it's 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 uh, what they're looking for, what they would like to have in the future. You know, so it all and ties into our strategy. Really, isn't it? You can't make these decisions without understanding the pain points of your own customers. Oh well, the customer is key. You know, what what they want from a global perspective, what they want from you know the uh, GDPR is very important. So because like and sustainability, of course, is a, is a big thing nowadays as well. And companies are starting to look at the whole um, circular economy as regards reuse as well. So like companies are starting to design product now for reuse because they understand there's a secondary market out there. 
So like uh, their engineers are starting to work on that so that they're producing product that before they were kind of producing product knowing that it was going to be thrown away and the next lot comes along. Now they know there's big markets out there for secondary equipment, so they're starting to redesign for that and um, they see big markets in this area. So that's a big And you're working well. closely with the big players, with Apple and Dell and all the big guys as well. Yeah, we have a lot of big, big companies in our portfolio, yes. There's no doubt that, um, you know, as, as a leader, in an organization, you are fueled by um, by the mood and the team and the culture of what you've created. But at the same time, I think, uh, you know, be- being a C- CEO is is a lonely station. And I know you've you've been through the EY Entrepreneur of the Year program and are an active alumni. How, how much does it help you to have the support of other members? But it is great. It's like I've, I've I've been to most of the uh, the trips for the last couple of years since I actually was on the program. I've I've some great friends got out of it, and um, I find I can ring people and they're they're willing to respond, and, and and it's it's very candid. You know, you look for pertinent questions that you can't really ask within within your own organisation that you can talk to a fellow CEO, and you get very direct and as I say, candid response from these people, which is absolutely f- um, fabulous. And the trips every year are great because again you get to talk you know, offline again with people and, you know, you learn to hear about their issues and problems in their business. You can relate to your own issues and how they're solving them and all that. So, so it is a, it's, it's a great depository for, for knowledge and information. There is actually WhatsApp out there and there's some very good information coming through that the whole time that's, that you find pertinent to your own business. And it's, 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 it's invaluable. In, 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 um, uh, probably a, in a customer areas. pipeline as well, Sean, huh? What is, yeah, there's quite a lot of more customers of ours, yeah, absolutely. And I hope that there'll be more. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Just before we finish up, um, Sean, I'd love to ask you um, about uh, any advice that you might have in terms of future landscape, uh, what the potential scenarios are for for business um, globally in the light of COVID and how this will change the way that we work. I suppose it, it, it's, it's not going to be the same. So that there is going to, like, unfortunately, some companies probably won't, won't survive because things have changed and it'll take a while for it to recover. I think in our situation, our business, we haven't lost any customers. It's just, they're just waiting to get back into business. So I think I think we are, we should be okay. And we'd expect, actually, we'd expect probably um, to get a lot more equipment back because people have upgraded you know, their, their networks and upgraded their, a lot of their data centers to be able to cope with the capacity that people have tied up now with working from home and all that. So we'd, we'd see that as being an opportunity in, in our case, but um, I think that there will be a lot of disruption out there. So we're watching it and, and we're, we're started, we're developing our strategies around that to make sure that we <laughs> can watching, watching and ready, Sean, I think is what Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, Sean, uh, absolutely uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Um, a very low-key global leader in your field. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening and watching Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the entire team at Joe and, of course, to today's entrepreneur, Sean Sheehan. If you haven't already done so, please do click subscribe to get a brand new episode of the show into your feed every two weeks for free. See you later. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. 